0: We're finding that some of the old ways of working didn't work for a lot of people. And this is a great time to reset and transform our notion of who is willing and able to work.
1: Welcome to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I'm
2: Amy Spreeman. And I'm Carolyn DeRosier. The voice you just heard was Dr. Sabrina Robbins talking about the Fox Valley's changing workforce and some new initiatives in the works to make sure we're building and retaining a thriving and diverse workforce. Dr. Robbins is going to share an exciting resource, a new program called New Boost Hidden Talent coming up a little later in the episode.
1: That's right, Carolyn. We've got several guests today who will share great insights on everything from how we're trying to attract new talent to our area to efforts to entice graduates to stick around and not be in a hurry to look outside of our community. Carolyn, there are all sorts of elements that make up a thriving workforce, and we've certainly faced challenges these past couple of years. Local experts tell us we've got some barriers to overcome. What are they, and how are we as a community
2: addressing the needs and challenges together? You know, we keep hearing about the competition for talent which has a lot to do with Wisconsin's historically low unemployment rate and our higher than national average labor force participation rate. But in the Fox Valley, the demographics of our area are changing and not everyone who wants to work is able to access the jobs we know are open right now. According to the most recent LIFE study, LIFE being an acronym for Leading Indicators for Excellence, the proportion of minority populations in Calumet, Outagamie, and Winnebago counties grew between 2.5 and 3.5 percentage points in the last 10 years. But diversity and our demographic shifts extend beyond race.
1: Yes, that same life study shows that the proportion of older adults in our region is growing as well. So what does that mean in terms of the makeup of our workforce? We start today with a little HR, human resources, and turn to one of our partners at the Community Foundation, Trisha Perkins, Senior Strategic HR Advisor for Lake Effect Human Resources and Law. Here's what she had to say. Thank you for joining us, Tricia. As an HR partner, you've done a lot of culture work over the years with your clients, and some great things are happening with this team here at the Community Foundation. What does a healthy work culture look like? Oh, Amy, that's a really good question.
3: I don't think that there's one answer for that, because it depends on the organization and it depends on the individual, For me as an HR professional, I think a good and healthy workplace culture involves a welcoming environment where everybody can be welcomed that offers flexibility so people can take care of their work and their personal lives. We hire folks to do the job. We send them through the interview process and we say, yes, this person can actually do the job. Let them do the job. Let them be empowered to do the job when and where they need to do that to do their best work. And then also, I think a good workplace culture provides growth opportunities
1: for individuals because we all want to continue to learn. Now, of course, more people are working remotely today or using a hybrid model, and that's been really interesting, hasn't it? I mean, is this a good thing, and will employers be able to attract more skilled people with that type of model? I do think it's important to have a hybrid work
3: model when you're attracting talent, just even talking to people that are looking for jobs. If it doesn't offer a hybrid work environment, they may not apply because that's important to them although I think it's a work in progress for many organizations as we move forward
1: with hybrid work environment. Yeah, many of us do appreciate that. I know I do. <laughs> so, uh, Tricia, we hear a lot about creating diversity in the workplace, and certainly that comes with challenges for employers. Uh, what are some of the ways human resources departments can help their businesses or nonprofits understand really the need for diversity in the workplace? And secondly, what does diversity even mean? I mean, how should we define diversity?
3: I think that so often when we think of diversity, I think our minds go right to race, which is important, but there's so much more to diversity. It is all the differences that we bring to the workplace. And some of those differences we can see and some of those that we can't.
1: And and as far as locally here in the Fox Valley, where do you think we as a community need to grow uh, in this area? The Fox Valley community
3: is doing a great job in this effort and it is the community coming together and sharing what those resources are and for the workplaces to know what those resources are, and to be able to take advantage of that.
1: So it's just uniting the community. Yeah, finding those resources. We are going to have some of those resources on our website today in this podcast episode in the program notes, so we're going to direct you there in a little bit. Um, Tricia, as listeners are thinking about uh, the voices that we're hearing on this episode today, is there anything that we can be doing to expand our thinking on
3: this? I think we're all in this journey at different stages, and to continue on with the journey, it is every day I am learning something new. Uh, after 20-some years of HR experience, it continues to evolve. And I need to change my way of advising even based on the knowledge that I gain every day of adapting the policies for the organizations and the advice that I give. So keeping an open mind and also taking advantage of all those opportunities within the community. Trisha, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure meeting with you, Amy.
2: Next, we had a chance to hear from Becky Bartozic, President and CEO of the Fox Cities Chamber of Commerce, about the Chamber's role in partnering with local organizations to expand talent and diversity. Listeners, if you didn't know, The chamber offers more than a half dozen programs and events to respond to our local workforce needs, so we'll include those in our program notes for you for this episode. Here's what Becky had to say.
1: Becky, welcome. Thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you so much for the invitation.
1: You are welcome. Well, let's talk about the changing face of the Fox Valley, the Fox Cities in particular. We've seen the census reports. We uh, know that we are a community of many voices, many lived experiences. How would you say that our perception of ourselves has changed in the past couple
4: of decades? Oh, I think that it's... it's in many ways, almost been necessity that we have found that we need to be an even more welcoming and inclusive community. When you look at what our current employers are running into, Mm -hmm. growth opportunity abounds everywhere. Our only limitation is we don't have enough people. If you're currently a job seeker, there are three opportunities for every one job seeker. Mm -hmm. And the only way that we're going to fill those roles is if if we truly diversify who we are as a community.
1: I think that uh, the perception that many of us have is that, well, it's just too cold to attract people up here. That's not the case, though, is it?
4: That's really not the case. Um, it's quite, kind of interesting. In 2019, in November of 2019, Gulfstream actually changed closed their Long Beach location in California and moved the jobs here to Greenville. And we were concerned, how are we going to get to these people in Long Beach and you know, attract them during the winter to Greenville. (laughs) And sure enough, we did get a handful of people that came. And as soon as they got here, they actually went and recruited more of those people to relocate from Long Beach to the Fox Cities region. That's terrific. Well, let's talk about your role, the Fox
1: City Chamber role in partnering with local organizations to expand talent and
4: especially diversity here. Yeah, the Fox Cities Chamber will actually be 140 years old this next year.
1: Oh, happy birthday. (laughs) Oh, thank you very much.
4: And the chamber was created years and years ago to really promote employers and economic development and to better improve the quality of life in the Fox Cities. And the mission is really the same today as it was then. But if you look at economic development anywhere, economic development is talent attraction. There just aren't enough people to fill jobs. So all day, every day, we go out and we're talking to employers about creative ways that we can bring more people to the region. And what we're finding is that the next generation isn't necessarily looking for a job that Mm. determines where they live. They know they can get a job anywhere. They're really looking for quality of life. So we actually created a program in 2019 that's called Fox Cities Days. And it's a program where we actually take employers to the heart of campuses and kind of all over the state of Wisconsin and Michigan and surrounding states. And when we take over the heart of that campus, we talk to all of those students not about a specific job here in the Fox Cities, but all of the reasons why they would want to live in the Fox Cities. And it's been interesting because we will have organizations that normally would compete for talent standing next to each other talking to students about all the reasons why you would want to live here in the, in the Fox Cities region.
1: Now, speaking of students, I know that you work a lot with students who are already here. Those, those high school students who are looking at their futures and, you know, where are they going to land?
4: Uh, How do you help them understand that maybe they should just stay in their own backyard? Well, and that is a real challenge for us, to keep our best and brightest here in the region. Um, One of the biggest programs that we have is our career fair. So if you can imagine, we had 3,200 students come in from 17 different municipalities or different regions, and they met with about 90 of our local employers. And it was held at the Expo Center. So just envision this. When you come down the escalators, we first had a speaker there who taught them all about soft skills, she specifically focused in on body language and knowing that they were about to open those doors and talk to employers for the very first time in their lives. And a lot of those students were eighth graders, so it truly was the first time they talked to any of these people. And they learned about where your phone should be or shouldn't be, and they learned about you know really the impression that your hands give and, and how animated you are or not animated you are. And then they stepped into one of three zones. We, we actually have three different zones based on manufacturing service, as well as um, continuing education zones. And, you know, they had the opportunity to learn about all the reasons why they can stay here locally. In zone one, there was a Pierce fire engine. And, you know, if they went and they talked to Pierce, for example, they found out that Pierce actually offers $10,000 a year in education credits Mm -hmm. for any degree that you want to go to. And they went from employer to employer employer, and found out all of these great opportunities that are right here in the Fox Cities, that if we don't take the time and really introduce them, we may lose those people. We may lose that future workforce and future leaders to other areas who are sending that message. You know, there's a lot of collaboration here uh, among different
1: nonprofit organizations, especially here in the the Fox Cities. And, and I know that uh, there are conferences and convenings that are happening. Can you share a little
4: bit about those? Sure, absolutely. One exciting conference that's coming to the Fox Cities next April, April of 2023, is the Toward One Conference. And that is a diversity, equity, and inclusion conference that started in Milwaukee about five years ago. And communities actually compete to bring it to their region because it brings in a more diverse population to really check out a community. And it gives that community an opportunity to spotlight who they are and all of the great initiatives that are going on here. So that's a Uh huge win and a great example of all these nonprofits and government entities that came together to really bring something to the Fox Cities. We're excited to bring Not only the conference here, but all of the people here who will fill our hotel rooms and fill our restaurants for a couple of days.
1: Yes, that's very exciting. Uh, And for those who did not catch that, uh, we're going to have a a link in our show notes today so you can learn more about that. Very exciting. And I imagine that takes a lot of work on multiple levels to bring conferences like that together, uh, many different people, many different hands involved.
4: Yes, so don't be surprised if, if anyone listening right now is at some point tapped to help with that initiative. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We we also had Imagine Fox
1: Cities, uh, and that's still an initiative that uh, has done a lot of great work in the Fox Valley, Fox Cities in particular, to uh, really talk about the different voices that we have
4: and to make sure that we're including all. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. The Imagine Fox Cities initiative is just a, a fantastic community visioning program. And when I go to meetings with chambers of commerce all across the country, they're just starting that program. Program. A lot of the chambers are actually uh, participating or doing their own visioning program, where Imagine Fox Cities has done that work for us. You know, they really went out and met with um, all members of our community at every level yeah. and really helped create a north star on where we can really come together and drive our efforts.
1: You know, I wanted to ask you if you see any barriers that we have yet to overcome because we've we've overcome so many just in the past couple of
4: years. Well, there's always going to be room for improvement. There always will be. The challenges, some of the challenges that we have in the region can't be overcome. When you're living in Kentucky and you're looking at at Wisconsin, you do look at the weather. And there's nothing we can do about that. But there are some challenges that we need to focus on. We had an economic uh, development person or an economist here last week, and he he put it really very bluntly to us. He goes, you can't do anything about the cold sometimes, <laughs> he said, but try to keep the taxes as in check as you possibly can, keep quality of life as wonderful as it is. I mean, you look at the Fox Cities, people move here because we really have the safety of a small community and the amenities of a larger community. So there's there's always going to be barriers. There, we could always do better as far as being welcoming. Um we continue to move forward, and we continue to move forward as a region together.
1: Oh, thank you for all that you and the chamber does
4: to um, really
1: make this community a great place to live. Thank you, Becky. We will be right back.
3: Did you know that up to 70% of Americans do not have an estate plan? October is National Estate Planning Awareness Month, recognizing the importance of thinking ahead and keeping your plans current. The Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region works with individuals and professional advisors to guide the charitable portion of estate plans. Partnering with us provides peace of mind, ensuring that your charitable wishes will be carried out effectively after your lifetime. Go to cffoxvalley.org to learn more.
1: We also met up with Mary Schills, human resources instructor and department chair at Fox Valley Technical College to learn about even more exciting opportunities for bringing talent and diversity to our communities here in the Fox Valley. Mary, thanks so much for joining us. How do you see here in the Fox Valley our current state as far as you know work and life landscape, and where do we need to grow to not only recruit but help retain workers who've uh, come up kind of through our educational system?
5: Well, um, one of the many things that COVID did <laughs> yeah. um, is it it in terms of employment. I think it really shined a big spotlight on individual's desire to have a meaningful job and a meaningful career and also have a meaningful life. And that those two things don't need to be mutually exclusive, should never have needed to be mutually exclusive in my, in my opinion. Uh, our employers are, are really challenged with thinking in new ways, one of our biggest challenges here in this area is that we still have very large number of manufacturing organizations. It's been our bread and butter for years and years and years and will continue in the future. And so while remote work has been possible for so many people, I think it is, continues to be very challenging for our manufacturing organizations to find schedules and structures which may not allow for remote work, but would allow for more flexible work schedules. So I see that as a real challenge for, for many of our organizations in the area. Um, Employers would be well served to take some time and really get to know who their employees are at an individual level because when you begin to look at the demographics of who your employees are, you have an opportunity, an organization has an opportunity to support those individuals and keep them in ways that they may not have considered before. Uh, We have come to learn, and the research shows, that people feel a real desire and a real human need to feel respected and valued. And sometimes in the busyness of what our our day-to-day responsibilities are, we don't always, as leaders, take the time to truly and genuinely get to know our workers as the individuals that they are. That takes time. And we all know that right now we're doing more with less people and all sorts of things. And, and so to really have a genuine and intentional commitment takes time. Um, but it's time that's important.
2: Finally, we want to come back to a conversation we had with Dr. Sabrina Robbins, who you heard at the beginning of our program. Dr. Robbins is COO with Abaxent, a 100% African-American woman-owned technology company. And she is also a board member of the local nonprofit African Heritage, Inc., which we're proud to say has received grants from several funds within the Community Foundation. Here's that conversation. Welcome, Dr. Robbins, to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be
0: here with you today.
1: We are too. Dr. Robbins, we hear employers talk about the shortage of workers today. Do you think there is a shortage of workers?
0: No, I absolutely do not believe there's a shortage of workers. There's a shortage of that traditional worker, you know, the 20-year-old white male worker. But that's different than saying a shortage of workers. In my research, I've identified 11 work groups that uh, have significant unemployment levels, and they are available to work. And it's the part of our society that we consistently overlook. Those that are uh, neurodiverse or have other varying abilities, are vets, encore workers. The encore workers are those that are 55 and above. Our uh, youth unemployment is astronomical. So that's 16 to 24. And what the uh, surveys show is that for some groups, particularly those people of color, Black and Hispanic and Native American in particular, that if we don't get those community members working, then it will lead to a lifetime of cyclical and generational poverty. That if you don't get the opportunity to establish a good work ethic as a teenager, you're likely to have a lot of jobs, low-paying jobs, or just significant absences from the workforce.
2: Dr. Robbins, in the past, I've heard you talk about some of the groups that you just identified as near workforce ready. Can you say more about um, that term, near workforce ready? Who does that describe? And what do they need from employers, from the community to move into the workforce? Near Workforce Ready are individuals
0: that are willing, need, and want to work. What does that mean? It means they have the work ethic, they have the common sense, and the trainability to do the jobs that are open for today. In addition to those things, they also need some training and support. And in order to accommodate the near workforce ready, we need to expand our notion of who participates in the workforce development ecosystem. But also for some of our near workforce ready candidates, those that are neurodiverse, in particular, those that are on the autism spectrum, their unemployment rates are in the 90% and very smart, but need more work. But the workforce development ecosystem should accommodate and let parents assist. And it's very easy to accommodate within the hiring process. It gives us more information on what we could do to uh, support, and it has helped to make successful engagements. We have to expand the support systems uh, that are needed, the role of grandmothers. And the role of churches in other parts that ordinarily is not part of that workforce development community, there's a need now. We've gone through the pandemic, and we know that uh, many of us have experienced some mental health challenges Uh, But we're finding that some of the old ways of working didn't work for a lot of people. And this is a great time to reset and transform our notion of who is willing and able to work and the near workforce ready. They are. And not all the workers have to be in their 20s. We have plenty of folks that are retired but still want to work anywhere from five to 10 hours a week. Those are, you know, have them at the start of the shift, in between the shifts, but find more ways to accommodate, to address some of the uh, gaps in covering shifts and other uh, work arrangements.
1: Yeah, it's exciting to see some of these changes coming to the Fox Valley. And I'd love to get your take on, on what you view as the critical challenges and some opportunities to you know, really achieving a thriving and diverse, inclusive workforce here in uh, Northeast
4: Wisconsin.
0: One, well, I want to say it's a great place to live. It's a great place to work. It's a great place to raise families. But it is also a region that is in need of a great change in mindset. We have more people of color in our region and they deserve jobs. And we have more people in, not only this near workforce ready, they need jobs. We have our uh, folks that live in more rural communities that don't have adequate transportation, For those that don't have adequate childcare. So, our single mothers are suffering. We need some employers to be more flexible. I'll just say there's an opportunity on all levels and for our candidates as well. You know, if you say you're going to work a job, then you should work that job. Uh, You need to show up every day and (laughs) you need to be drug free. Um, At the same time, companies, If you say you want workers, then treat your workers well. Have an environment that is welcoming, where people feel safe, and enforce your HR laws if your existing workforce is not welcoming. And then uh, those of us in the community help to make our community a place where people want to stay. Sometimes employers and workers are really doing their job and doing great. But our community members are making life outside of work less than ideal and less than a place where our children want to ride their bikes up and down the streets. So if we want to get to where we desire to be, every facet of our community really needs to share the same vision that this is a place where we can work,
2: grow, and thrive together. So, Dr. Robbins, in addition to your role as COO with Abaxent, which is a 100% African-American woman-owned technology company, you are a board member of the local nonprofit African Heritage, Inc., and both of these organizations along with New North, have been a part of a program called New Boost Hidden Talent. What is that program and what is it trying to accomplish and how can people get involved in it? New Boost Hidden Talent is a a solution that we're
0: putting in place to make uh, basic computer training more accessible to the Black and Hispanic community, and then others that fall within that need. Um, what we're finding out, we, we talked earlier about this uh, labor shortage, and we found that, sure enough, we have a lot of folks that would like to have these entry-level manufacturing and construction and other types of positions. But they don't know that the jobs are open, nor do they know how to apply for them. Because most of the time they're getting the information on the phone and you can't apply for jobs on the phone. Again, when you look at unemployment rates and who has the highest level of unemployment in our region, it is African-Americans and Hispanics, hands down. So, This digital literacy is a response to say, why don't we try to engage with these communities in a way that's more authentic and culturally relevant? So the current recruiting models of waiting to people to come to you. For this, you need a more grassroots and relational aspect to go and get this target community, because not only Are we looking for those who are Black and Hispanic, but within those communities, we're diving into that near workforce ready. So the near workforce ready must and necessitates a different type of recruiting and engagement model. On the professional side, you know, you hear people talking about Indeed and Zip Recruiter, and they have all of these data analytics and that's wonderful for professional level jobs, but that's not how you recruit for the near workforce ready category part or what we're calling hidden talent. Hidden talent are those that have slipped through the gaps, but they still want to work but they do not have the traditional linkages to the more established parts of our communities. And so it's a way of going to where they are. So what we seek to do is work with churches, work with community organization, the cultural organizations such as Casa Hispana, African heritage, African heritage, along with New North, Microsoft, Bay Area, uh, workforce development are engaged in this work to reduce barriers and increase access to basic computer training, which we're calling digital literacy. For the purpose of getting people access to these jobs, getting them access to more trainings or certifications and badges. They can uh, have access to the two-year colleges. So the digital literacy training is a pathway to more choices. They can continue the education. They can get jobs, or just go the certifications. Uh, and the key is that they're not hidden anymore. And it's it's funny to call a whole uh, community hidden when they actually weren't hidden. They were overlooked. I'm very excited about the BOOST program that we are implementing here. So BOOST stands for Building Opportunities for Overlooked Sustainable Talent. The Overlooked Sustainable Talent refers to a local and regional pipeline. Some of our employers are going to other countries or other parts of the United States and then bringing workers into bringing workers into northeast Wisconsin when we have the talent right here. So if we consider those that are rural and those that are overlooked and hidden we have enough talent for our needs right here in Northeast Wisconsin. Um, And getting back to the digital literacy, this is starting off as a pilot, but this is going to be a sustainable initiative that will continue. We're very happy to know that several of our literacy councils and volunteers from the rural community will also participate uh, in this initiative as well. Again, it's a way of connecting people, knowing about opportunities, and making sure that they too can participate and be able to get that next meaningful step in their employment and work uh, career development plans.
1: It sure is really exciting to hear about uh, how you're taking this new boost hidden talent, uh, you know, taking it to where the people are with what the people need. And uh, that's really exciting to see. And we're going to have some links on our uh, show notes for this episode where uh, listeners, you can go and check this out. Dr. Robbins, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.
2: I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening. For more information, you can get today's program notes and links at cffoxvalley.org backslash podcast. Please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your audio. We'll see you next time on Voices
1: from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region.